European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 42, Issue 44. Focus Issue, Epidemiology and Prevention, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Filippo Crea, read to you by Morgan Bryan. How Epidemiology Can Improve the Understanding of Cardiovascular Disease, From Mechanisms to Treatment. Life is more than work, also for dedicated cardiologists. Thus, we enjoy wine, drinks, sweets and coffee. Are these forbidden joys, or are they possibly even protective? This focus issue on epidemiology and prevention contains the viewpoint article Wine, Chocolate and Coffee, Forbidden Joys by Thomas Lucia from the Royal Brompton and Harefield Hospital in London, United Kingdom. Lucia concludes that wine is truly a joy, but at best neutral when consumed in moderation. Chocolate is a joy for our CV system, if consumed in dark, bitter form. Coffee wakes us up, less so if drunk regularly, and might even be protective at doses of up to four cups a day. Atrial cardiomyopathy has been suggested to play an important role in the development of atrial fibrillation, or AF. In a clinical research article entitled Genome-Wide Association Study Identifies 18 Novel Loci associated with left atrial volume and function. Gustav Alberg from the University Hospital of Copenhagen in Denmark and colleagues used the UK Biobank, which is a large prospective population study with available phenotypic and genetic data, to perform genome-wide association studies on five volumetric and functional left atrial, or LA, variables in 35,658 European individuals. They identified 18 novel genetic loci mapped to genes with known roles in cardiomyopathy, e.g. MYO, 18B, TTN, TSP, and ANKRD1, and arrhythmia, e.g. TTN, CASQ2, MYO, 18B, and C9ORF3, associated to the volumetric and functional LA variables. Furthermore, high genetic correlations were observed between LA volume and function and stroke, which was most pronounced for LA passive emptying fraction. To investigate whether the genetic risk of atrial AF was associated with LA traits that precede overt AF, Alberg and colleagues produced a polygenetic risk score for AF. They found that polygenetic risk for AF was associated with increased LA volume and decreased LA function in participants with AF. The results found in this study suggest that compromised LA function may share genetic underpinning with cardiomyopathy. Furthermore, they show that the genetic risk of AF influences LA structure prior to diagnosis of AF, suggesting an intrinsic relationship. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Renata Schnabel and Stefan Kamen from the University Heart and Vascular Centre Hamburg in Germany. The authors note that the present study provides convincing evidence for a genetic component in LA morphology and function, supporting the concept of atrial cardiomyopathy as an intrinsic disease entity. However, the clinical definition of atrial cardiomyopathy remains vague and more research is needed to define its genetic, morphological and functional characteristics, ideally combining different imaging modalities 
and modern functional parameters. In addition, the potential prognostic impact of atrial cardiomyopathy and its treatment through risk factor modification, medication or ablation in AF needs to be investigated. The incidence of ST elevation myocardial infarction or STEMI in European countries ranges between 40 and 140 per 100,000 per year, which equates to over 500,000 patients with STEMI being admitted each year. Despite improvement in management, STEMI remains one of the leading causes of death in Europe and worldwide. In a clinical research article entitled Reperfusion Therapies and In-Hospital Outcomes for ST Elevation Myocardial Infarction in Europe, the ACVC-EAPCI EORP STEMI Registry of the European Society of Cardiology. Yui Zamer and colleagues from the Klinikum der Stadt Ludwigshafen and Institute for Herzinfarktforschung in Ludwigshafen am Rhein, Germany, aim to determine the contemporary use of reperfusion therapy in the European Society of Cardiology, or ESC, member and affiliated countries, and adherence to the ESC clinical practice guidelines in patients with ST elevation myocardial infarction, or STEMI. They assess STEMI patients with symptom onsets less than 24 hours in 196 centres across 29 countries. A total of 11,462 patients were enrolled, for whom primary percutaneous coronary intervention, or PCI, total cohort frequency 72.2%, country frequency range 0 to 100%, fibrinolysis 18.8% 0 to 100%, and no reperfusion therapy 9% 0 to 75% were performed. Corresponding in-hospital mortality rates from any cause were 3.1%, 4.4% and 14.1% and overall mortality was 4.4%. Country range 2.5% to 5.9%. Achievement of quality indicators was reported for 93%, region range 85% to 97%, for the performance of reperfusion therapy of all patients with STEMI less than 12 hours, and for 54.4%, region range 37.1% to 70.1%, for timely reperfusion. Zamer and colleagues conclude that the use of reperfusion therapy for STEMI in the ESC member and affiliated countries was high. Primary PCI was the most frequently used treatment and associated total in-hospital mortality was below 5%. However, there was a geographic variation in the use of primary PCI, which was associated with differences in in-hospital mortality. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Cindy Grines from the Northside Hospital Cardiovascular Institute in Atlanta, Georgia, USA, and Samir Mehta from the Lumen Global Foundation, Miami, Florida, USA. Grines and Mehta conclude that further improvements in STEMI care will require strong commitment among the medical community, as well as support from hospitals and regional funding agencies. It is hoped that cardiology societies can assist with the efforts to navigate governmental bureaucracy and improve funding of STEMI care.
Acute coronary syndrome, or ACS, is frequently accompanied by AF, which may be previously known or first time detected. Previously known AF is well recognised to further aggravate the prognosis of patients with ACS. However, contemporary unselected data on the subgroup of patients admitted with first-time detected AF are sparsely examined, and especially missing in a nationwide setting. In a clinical research article entitled Incidents of Ischemic Stroke and Mortality in Patients with Acute Coronary Syndrome and First-Time Detected Atrial Fibrillation, a Nationwide Study, Jeppe Kofed Peterson from the Riggs Hospital Let in Copenhagen, Denmark and colleagues examined contemporary data on the one-year prognosis of patients surviving an ACS and concomitant first-time detected atrial fibrillation, or AF. Using Danish nationwide registries, the authors identified all patients surviving a first-time admission with ACS from 2000 to 2018 and grouped them into 1. Those without AF prior to or during ACS, 2. Those with a history of AF, and 3. Those with first-time detected AF during admission with ACS. With one year of follow-up, rates of ischemic stroke, death and bleeding were compared between study groups using multivariable adjusted Cox proportional hazards analysis. 161,266 ACS survivors were included, 135,878 or 84% without AF, 18,961 or 12% with history of AF, and 6,427 or 4% with first-time detected AF at admission with ACS. Compared to those without AF, the adjusted one-year rates of outcomes were as follows. Ischemic stroke, hazard ratio or HR, 1.38 for patients with history of AF and HR 1.67 for patients with first-time detected AF. Mortality, HR 1.25 for patients with history of AF and HR 1.52 for patients with first-time detected AF, and bleeding, HR 1.22 for patients with history of AF, and HR 1.28 for patients with first-time detected AF. The authors conclude that in patients with ACS, first-time detected AF appeared to be at least as strongly associated with the one-year rates of ischemic stroke, mortality and bleeding as compared with patients with a history of AF. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Jurten Berg and Wilbert Bohr from the St. Antonius Hospital in New Ergen, the Netherlands. The authors note that these findings should encourage active consideration of the combination of OAC and antiplatelet therapy, preferably single antiplatelet therapy with clopidogrel, as the optimal antithrombotic therapy in ACS patients with newly diagnosed AF. While greater physical activity, or PA, is associated with improved health outcomes, the direct links between distinct components of PA, their changes over time, and cardiorespiratory fitness are incompletely understood. In a clinical research article entitled Physical Activity and Fitness in the Community, the Framington Heart Study, Matthew Nayer from the Boston University School of Medicine in Boston, Massachusetts, USA and colleagues studied this further. 
maximum effort cardiopulmonary exercise testing, or CPET, and objective PA measures, sedentary time, or SED, steps per day, and moderate to vigorous PA, or MVPA, bioaccelerometers worn for one week concurrent with CPET and 7.8 years prior were obtained in 2,070 Framington Heart Study participants. Increases of 17 minutes of MVPA per day or 4,312 steps per day or reductions of 249 minutes of SED per day between the two exam cycles corresponded to a 5% higher peak VO2. Individuals with high, being above mean, steps or MVPA demonstrated above average peak VO2 values regardless of whether they had a high or low SED. Nayer et al. conclude that their findings provide a detailed assessment of relations of different types of PA with multidimensional cardiorespiratory fitness measures and suggest that favorable longitudinal changes in PA, and MVPA in particular, are associated with greater objective fitness. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Bjorn Ness and Jon Magna Letnes from the Norwegian University of Science and Technology, Trondheim, Norway. The authors note that in the end, Neyer and colleagues have some encouraging findings which should resonate with the general public as well, as their findings indicate that moderate increases in daily walking or slight increases in moderate to vigorous physical activity may compensate our increasingly sedentary lifestyle. Although the reported effect estimates may seem small, when considering the strong relationship between cardiorespiratory fitness and health outcomes, the benefits on the health of a population by modest increases in regular activity may be substantial. Benzbromerone is a uricosuric agent inhibiting a renal tubular transporter, URAT1. It shows high efficacy and safety in general, even for patients with chronic kidney disease, but was not approved in the USA and withdrawn from some European countries based on several hepatotoxicity reports. However, withdrawal decision of the drug has often been questioned based on the risk estimated, less than 1 in 17,000. Currently, it's still actively used in Asia, including South Korea, some countries in Europe, and South America to treat gout. The 2016 EU LAR guidelines for gout management recommends the use of benzbromerone alone or in combination with allopurinol when the initial treatment with allopurinol is not effective enough to lower serum urate levels. In a clinical research article entitled Cardiovascular Risk Associated with Allopurinol versus Benzbromerone in Patients with Gout, Yun Ha Kang from the Seoul National University Bundang Hospital and colleagues compared CV risk among patients with gout who initiated allopurinol versus benzbromerone. Using the Korean National Health Insurance Claims data, 2002 to 2017, they conducted a cohort study of 124,434 gout patients who initiated either allopurinol, N equaling 103,695, or benzbromerone, N equaling 20,739, matched on propensity score at a 5 to 1 ratio. The primary outcome was a composite CV endpoint of myocardial infarction, stroke slash transient ischemic attack, and coronary revascularization. 
over a mean follow-up of 1.16 years, 2,258 patients developed a composite CV event. The incidence rate of the composite CV event was higher in allopurinol initiators, 1.81 per 100 person years, than benzbromerone, 1.61 per 100 person years, with an HR of 1.22. The HR for all-cause mortality was 1.66 among allopurinol initiators compared with benzbromerone. The authors conclude that in this large population-based cohort of gout patients, allopurinol was associated with an increased risk of composite CV events and all-cause mortality compared to benzbromerone. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Giulia Fiorini and Claudio Borghi from the University of Bologna in Italy. The authors note that the effective treatment of gout is a primary therapeutic need that should involve the correct identification of the patients and the prevention of both articular and cardiovascular diseases. Xanthine oxidoreductase inhibitors and uricosuric agents are the pillar of treatment, with some differences in their utilization across the world. They intercept the two most important mechanisms involved in hyperuricemia, i.e. overproduction and or under-excretion of urate. Post-hoc analysis and adjusted real-life data may provide an outstanding example of how to generate a working hypothesis that should be carefully tested in perspective. Angina pectoris has been considered to be mainly caused by atherosclerotic obstructive coronary artery disease, or CAD. However, up to 50% of patients undergoing diagnostic coronary angiography for typical chest pain have angiographically normal coronary arteries, or non-obstructive CAD. In such cases, coronary functional abnormalities are implicated, including epicardial coronary artery spasm, and coronary microvascular dysfunction. The latter is typically defined as increased susceptibility to vasoconstrictor stimuli, resulting in microvascular spasm and or impaired dilatation of coronary microvessels, with resultant inadequate increase in blood flow in response to stress. In a clinical research article entitled Clinical Characteristics and Prognosis of Patients with Microvascular Angina, an international and prospective cohort study by the Coronary Vasomotor Disorders International Study, or COVADIS, group. Hiroaki Shimokawa from the Tohoku University Graduate School of Medicine in Sendai, Japan, and colleagues sought to provide multinational, multi-ethnic data on the clinical characteristics and prognosis of patients with microvascular angina, or MVA. The Coronary Vasomotor Disorders International Study Group recently proposed the diagnostic criteria for MVA. Shimokawa et al. prospectively evaluated the clinical characteristics of patients according to these criteria and their prognosis. The primary endpoint was the composite of major cardiovascular events, or MACE, verified by institutional investigators, which included cardiovascular death, non-fatal myocardial infarction, non-fatal stroke, and hospitalization due to heart failure or unstable angina. During the period from the 1st of July 2015 to the 31st of December 2018, 686 patients with MVA were registered from 14 institutes in seven countries from four continents. 
Among them, 64% were female, and the main ethnic groups were Caucasians, 61%, and Asians, 29%. During follow-up of a median of 398 days, 78 MACE occurred, 6.4% in men versus 8.6% in women, P equaling 0.19. Multivariable Cox Proportional Hazard Analysis disclosed that hypertension and previous history of coronary artery disease, or CAD, including ACS and stable angina pectoris, were independent predictors of MACE. There were no sex or ethnic differences in prognosis, although women had lower Seattle angina questionnaire scores than men, he being less than 0.05. The authors conclude that this first international study provides novel evidence that MVA is an important health problem regardless of sex or ethnicity, that a diagnosis of MVA portends a substantial risk for MACE associated with hypertension and previous history of CAD, and that women have a lower quality of life than men despite the comparable prognosis. The article is accompanied by an editorial by Kevin Chang and Ranil de Silva from the Imperial College London in the United Kingdom. The authors conclude that the results of these studies, in combination with the outcomes of a pragmatic trial evaluating conventional antianginal drugs, Warrior NCT 03417388, and a randomized placebo controlled trial of endothelin antagonist Zybotentin, PRIZE NCT 04097314, have the potential to offer significant improvements in current management. Rigorous application of guideline-directed management of conventional cardiovascular risk factors is essential for patients with MVA. These systematic evaluations will hopefully go a significant way towards addressing the unmet clinical needs and adverse prognosis of patients with MVA. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.